by Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. And welcome to the Writing Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and with me today, MPP Graydon Smith, who is the MPP for Paris Sound Muskoka, and also the Minister of uh, the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry. That's a lot to say. Welcome, Graydon. It's a lot to fit on a business card, but uh, I just say usually, hey, it's Graydon. How you doing? And I'm doing fine. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks for coming in again. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been happening, I guess, politically in uh, your world, plus some of the stuff that's been happening here in the riding. And I guess, you know, seeing as we're in uh, the middle of what I would call spring at this point, and uh, the last time you were in, it was uh, still doubtful when and how bad uh, the freshet would, would be, and how would you characterize it so far, having seen some flooding downtown Huntsville and, um, you know, some of the lower-lying areas that are prone to flooding every year, and now, you know, it's starting to move down the Muskoka River from Huntsville into Brace Ridge and, you know, further down the watershed. Yeah, well, first of all, I you know, I'd say that I hope uh, everyone uh, continues to remain safe and that uh, if there is any property damage, it's, you know, very, very limited damage. Uh, it's always challenging when we get to every spring to know exactly what's going to happen. And yeah, I th- you know, as we talked about the last time I was here, things were still, you know, pretty tight. The spring for shed hadn't started. There was a lot of snow around. And then, you know, boy, we got this extremely unique situation of 10 days of July in the middle of April. And then everything just kind of went, you know, poof really quick. And, you know, you look back on the, the, the years where flooding, you know, was quite severe in this area in 2013 and 2019. It was a spring that never seemed to start and then it rained and you know that caused all the trouble in this case uh i guess it's a it's a better outcome that we got you know nice sunny days out of it which evaporated a lot of the the water content but um you know at the same time it put a big charge into the system and it's been working through the system and and thankfully i think all the you know the municipal leaders have done a great job and the media has done a great job in getting the message that comes from my ministry uh out to people which uh, you know are various stages of uh, watches and and ultimately warnings uh, and and what to do. So um seems like you know we're through the the worst uh part of it and that water's coming down a, a little bit in the in the Huntsville area and you know that's great. Uh, it takes a little longer to get out the the south end uh, where the rivers converge in, in Bracebridge the south branch and the north branch but um you know, I keep staying in touch with the uh, with local mayors to see how they're doing and if there's anything else that uh, you know we can provide and uh, so far the feedback's been pretty good. All right, so we don't see anything like we saw in 2013. That's sort of what you're thinking is going to happen. Of course, I'm not holding you to this. You know, we're recording this on a rainy day, Jeff, and uh, you never know how many more rainy days you're going to have. But I, I think that the difference at this point is most of the snowpack is gone. Um, you know, in Algonquin, there, there may be little scraps of it still, but there's not uh, a lot to feed the system at this point other than rain. So I think if we can uh, stay away from too, too many, uh, you know, heavily rainy days, and we should uh, be able to work through this. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, funding announcements that you've been making over the past week. You just dropped something like $1.9 million uh, a couple of days ago up in El Maguin Highlands. 
Yeah, I was really pleased to be in South River for four uh, fantastic uh, projects funded through the Northern Ontario Heritage uh, Corporation. Uh, and, you know, one of the, the great things about um, that agency is that they, they focus on a lot of different things. And so the announcement focused on, on four um, very different but very important things. Uh, the first one was Employment North, which provides uh, services to not only people seeking employment, but employers uh, in, in the Omagwin area. And they do a fantastic job of, of putting people together, of um, you know providing uh, opportunities for people that are maybe looking to do something new. And you know they've got virtual reality uh, training. They've, they've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, new things in their new space uh, in South River, um, which was a, a huge project, but a, but an incredibly important one. We know the labor market is uh, a challenging one right now for for employers to find enough people to work and for employees to find you know that thing that that they want to do. Um, so this helps do that, and that was over seven hundred thousand dollars for for that project. Um, the other uh, two others were were business focused. So uh, Almaguin Forestry Products uh, was a, a company that um, maybe wasn't operating at its full potential, let's say. And um, you know now that there's been a significant investment, uh, over three hundred thousand dollars from NOHFC, um, they're able to, to buy new equipment, get more people to work, and and you know really make a difference that way uh, to, to many people's lives and, and Swift Canoe, which we know is a, a brand uh, well-known, not only in this area, but, you know, throughout Ontario, Canada and beyond. Um, they've made a, a major investment as well. And we've, you know, invested uh, along with them over $600,000 to upgrade their facilities. So those are all very gratifying and very directly, you know, putting people to work and, and keeping them at work in the, in the riding. Um, the last one that I'll touch on uh, that was part of that uh, was for the village of South River itself and for the train station and anybody that's been in South River knows it's an iconic building that's um, been there for a long, long time, but um, needs a, a little bit of a refresh. And with the Northlander, uh, you know, coming back in the next few years with those train cars ordered, um, you know, South River could be a vital stop uh, along along the way. And so it's an opportunity to, to refresh that space. Excellent. Now, uh, speaking of the Northlander, do we have an update as to when we think you know, that will make the next step whenever that is uh, delivery, I guess. Of, yeah. I mean, deliveries, uh, uh, you know, at least a couple of years out and, and then, you know, an optimization phase. But, you know, what I would say is it's not just all waiting up till then. I think the, um, the the business model still you know gets ironed out the 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 devil that's in always the details gets worked out you know while we're waiting for the cars to show up so uh it, it's concurrent uh, tracks uh, i guess of work a little bit of a pun there um but um you know all important work which will mean you know when the cars do arrive that they can get into action fairly quickly so um it, at that time it seems like a long way away you know when you say 25 or and 26 it's already 23. Uh, the clock always ticks faster than you wished it would, uh, you know, uh, in terms of day-to-day -day living. And so I think it'll be upon us uh, sooner than we expect. Okay. Um, let's skip on to um, something you want to talk about is uh, education. You say that there's a big bill coming up. And uh, I know that uh, Minister Leach has been making some announcements over the uh, past couple of weeks. So uh, maybe you could recap that and, and talk about this legislation that's coming up. Yeah, so uh, an announcement uh, last week uh, around 
uh, investments in kind of core learning for kids, which, you know, I think we all agree is uh, incredibly important, uh, specifically around uh, math and literacy and, and more teachers and, and more resources and, and more help for schools. Uh, we, we look at the EQAO scores uh, and yeah, I think we see performance that, you know, we generally wish was better as parents, as um you know, as everybody, uh, you know, in Ontario uh, wants the kids to do the best they can. And those those core skills of literacy and math are important to everybody, no matter what you're going to do in life um, and no matter you know how you want to do it. Core skills are core skills. And so I think investment in those skills is uh, incredibly important, not uh, just as a parent, but, you know, as, as somebody that wants to see everybody succeed. Um, and it allows them to take those skills and and have a wide array of choices before them, you know, whether that's uh, uh, the university path, whether that's a college path, skilled trades, you know, whatever it may be, if we can get those skills into kids early uh, and, and often, um, and, you know, create a love of reading and create, um, you know, very much, uh, mathematical literacy, um, then, then I think, you know, the world's their oyster and, and they got a lot of choices before them. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is the, uh, crux of the, uh, the legislation that's about? To yeah. Be so the legislation, which is kind of a separate component of this, uh, is focused uh, in part around school boards and and how school boards perform, and to to give the the government uh, of the day, I think a, a little more uh, input on that. I think we've got over seventy school boards in Ontario. There's a, kind of a a large variance in approach and performance uh, of those boards, um, and I think sometimes we we see parents that get frustrated that they don't have that, I think, uh, open communication with boards that the boards aren't necessarily receptive to hear from them. You know, there are examples of parents getting shut down at, at meetings when they're trying to make a point, um, you know, just because it doesn't necessarily jibe with where the board, you know, thinks they're at or want to be at. And, and so it's important to be hearing from parents. Um, it's important that people feel connected to the system. And, there's, and it's important that boards, you know, perform with a level of, I think, consistency across Ontario. So, you know, the, the kids that we're outputting through the education system, and it is all about the kids, ultimately, um, you know, there's a consistency of, of, of approach. And, uh, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all world. That's not to say that, you know, you take away all the flexibility of the boards. By, by no means am I saying that. Um, but I think the government needs an opportunity that if things are kind of getting sideways, that it has the the ability to to uh, just just be part of what's happening a little bit more in some cases. All right, and, and so this legislation will be enacting some sort of regulated. Uh, Operating process with with boards is so that they're all. No, sort of I, again, the same I think way. there's a lot of flexibility there for boards, uh, you know, to do what, what they feel they need to do. But um, I, I think it's about too the 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 behavior of some of the the, the trustees that get elected. Um, there's examples. I think far too often of uh, trustees behaving badly um, and not being respectful to the other trustees around the table or necessarily getting the people that come to to speak and provide their opinion so that, you know, I think there's some opportunity uh, to provide a, a very clear set of expectations and, and consequences for, for people that, uh, you know, don't, um, I, I think, accept those um that that role with maybe the the reverence that it that it should have and and the importance that it should have in terms of being a liaison between the public and um in our education system um 
but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, these, you know, things are, are, are designed for when circumstances uh, aren't working for the most part. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, things are, are just, just fine. Um, but it's, it's the occasions when, when they're not that sometimes you need to make some adjustments and ha- or have the ability to, you know, be part of, of making an adjustment. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. We've been speaking with MPP Graydon Smith. Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. And welcome back to the Writing Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and we're speaking with MPP Graydon Smith, the MPP for Perry Sound, Muskoka. Now, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about uh, education, and I wanted to quickly get your sense, uh, changing subjects if we could, about the recent announcement that uh, the province is going to move the Science Centre in Toronto uh, near uh, the Don Valley off to uh, Ontario Place. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an exciting announcement for the Science Centre and for you know anyone that's loved the, the Science Centre for a long, long time. Of course, uh, many of us have memories, and I do too, of uh, going on, on field trips. And, um, you know, it was always a fantastic day when you could go to the Science Centre. I think it's an opportunity to, to revitalize what is an important um, uh, important uh, you know, kind of institution in Ontario, so to speak, um, and, and facility um, that, you know, at the, at the same time can be part of this, this larger uh, project um, at Ontario Place, which again is, is something that I think we all have you know, good memories of as kids, but has fallen a little bit on hard times. So, you know, the government is, I think, wanting to, to, to maximize the, the number of people that can come and enjoy these spaces. Um, it, you know, it's been not without uh, you know, some conversation around uh, the, the people that, that like it where it is versus uh, where it's going to go. But, you know, in my mind, um, I, you know, I think people want to be able to do things that are in close proximity to one another. And um, this, is, this is only going to expose more people to, uh, you know, the joys of the Science Center and, and the fun contained within it. All right. And that's part of, a, you know, a bigger announcement to do with the complete revitalization of Ontario Place. And the government uh, seems to have uh, come up with a, a plan as to uh, what's going to be in there and when it's all going to open. You want to speak to that? Yeah. Again, I think it's all part and parcel of, you know, what is an, an exciting uh, opportunity for for Toronto um, and and the number of visitors that are that are there and, and will drive more people to the city and um, more more people to Ontario Place. Uh, it, it again has fallen on on hard times. It was uh, an iconic part of uh, many people's uh, youthful uh, travels and and you know their parents taking them there. Um, but a generation has gone by where it is for the most part been irrelevant. Um, you know, there may be some people that uh, are locals that, that use it, uh, but apart from, you know, the concerts that occur um, at the, the Budweiser stage, you know, really not much else going on there. So um, I think the revitalization will be great not only for, for that facility, but for all of Ontario, because it's for all of Ontario to enjoy. All right. Now, um, just, I think last week, the MAHC um, basically identified a piece of land that they're interested in uh, acquiring and, and building the new hospital in Bracebridge on. It's just off of Highway 118, not far from Highway 11. And uh, well, the closest thing I could say, it's uh, close to uh, Muskoka Brewery. 
um, if you're looking for um, an exact location. So it's on that road that runs from Bracebridge to Gravenhurst. I don't, the name... Muskoka Beach Road. Muskoka Beach Road. Um, yeah, so it, that seems like it's not quite what I thought that, you know, the the board would be looking at, um, but it seems to tick their boxes. Yeah, I, you know, don't really have any comment on, on what they've selected, and I, I haven't seen the report, uh, nor have I been able to attend a meeting because I've, I've been at Queen's Park over the, the, the past week. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, they've got a process, they've worked through a process. Uh, I've been part of um, site selection processes before, uh, you know, when it came to building the what is now the, the Muskoka Lumber Community Center in, in Bracebridge. Uh, you, you identify the spots that are available, you, you rank them, you have a set of criteria, you, you put all those inputs in and, and see what you know, comes out the other end of the pipe. And, and this is what's come out to, you know, that end of the pipe for them. But I think the good thing is, um, you know, my understanding is that there's meetings all over Muskoka uh, to talk about, you know, this this next phase and and this step in the phase and and what they're thinking so i'm sure they'll get lots of input back from the public uh, whether they think it's a, a good choice a bad choice or somewhere in between and and take that away and continue to work with it all right yep. yeah go ahead i know that you're not um connected to the ministry of health at, at the the government but uh at some point the selection will be submitted to the government for their comment yeah, so it's all part of the phase two work that the hospital is doing right now, and and there's quite a bit of work in that beyond just site selection, but it but it's part of it. Um, you know, my role in this uh, is is really uh, I'm I'm kind of agnostic on sites. What I what I'm interested in is the process and making sure that the process you know continues along uh, in a in an orderly and quick fashion, and that you know the ministry when it is in receipt of this information is is dealing with it um, quickly because. Uh, I like you know, everyone else in in the riding you know, wants to see these facilities uh, built and, and rehabilitated as quickly as possible. You know that said, it, it is a long process. It, it should be a long process. These are uh, you know buildings that need to last for decades and decades, so you don't uh, uh, just want to start skipping steps. Um, so uh, you know again, I'll be I'll be watching it all very closely and and assisting where I can. All right, and we're gonna finish off with uh, one quick chat about. Homelessness, and I was chatting with the district chair Jeff Lehman just the other day, and uh, one of the things that he said is that you know the district is not the place with all the money. You know, in order to solve this problem that has grown by five hundred percent or so, that uh, they need help from both the province and from the feds in order to you know come up with a solution to the problem which is is grown from um you know a couple hundred nights of uh, accommodation to nearly 2000 nights a year and i just wondered if if you're aware of anything that the province is doing to assist the the municipalities and and the district to solving this homelessness problem we have yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we have heard um, you know those comments, and uh, I've I've had conversations with the the district chair as well, and um, with the social services administration board in Perry Sound, and actually our government is taking action on that. And uh, just recently, we made an announcement on investments for homelessness supports in Muskoka and Perry Sound district. Both uh, the total is um, of new money is about uh, 1.4 million dollars so it was i think a 70 percent bump um 
roughly for uh, Perry Sound and maybe uh, around a 60% bumper, maybe just a little less for, for Muskoka. Um, but, you know, that brings the, the total to over $4 million a year of investment in the riding for homelessness supports. And and it's important for us to support those that are, are doing the work. So, you know, at, at, at the ground level, um, you know, uh, both the district and, and the DSAB and Perry Sound are the, are the service providers um, and, and the province helps fund that work because they know, you know, what they need in, in their communities to provide supports. They've got the numbers, they've got the data, they've got, you know, the, the, the list of people that are providing supports too. So, uh, you know, we heard that message. Uh, we stepped up with, with more funding to help support that. Okay. Now, the government, of course, uh, put out this decision, which is kind of controversial about, um, you know, the, the green space around Toronto and the green belt and using some of that land to develop for housing and offsetting it with other lands that they're adding to the green belt. Is there anything in Muskoka, Perry Sound, uh, that um, would accelerate the building of, essentially, you know, apartments for people who, you know, are in low-income settings who can't afford to get into the market and there's no place to rent? Well, I think the the bills that have come forward, you know, the previous bill in the fall, and there's a new bill working its way through the system right now is is all about trying to remove the barriers to get housing built in communities. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in Southern Ontario or, or Central Ontario, like we are, um, you know, the challenges are the same, the scales might be different. Um, but it you know, is is certainly um, necessary for us to try and streamline the approach, and that's what Minister Clark has been been working on. Um, it is uh, a matter of uh, investments that the private sector you know need to be part of uh, to make this happen, and and municipalities, and again, not um, not stomping on municipalities here, but you know they need to make tough decisions from time to time as well uh, around zoning and you know what their official plans look like and and where they're going to put housing and how they're going to deal with the reaction of neighborhoods sometimes when they say, uh, you know, we'd love to solve this problem, but we'd love you to do it somewhere else. Uh, so, you know, our, the best thing our government can try and do is I think try and, and have um, uh, from a process standpoint, a clear path that, you know, allows home builders and municipalities and everyone in the decision-making chain to be able to act quickly uh, and, and, you know, allow these, uh, types of uh, uh, buildings to, to, to go up uh, and the units within them to come online. Um, you know, the government, again, continues to make investments in supportive housing. So that kind of housing where people uh, you know, may have multiple challenges and require wraparound services, you know, we've, we've increased the, the amount of dollars for that. Um, so everyone needs to do their part. The federal government is a part of this as well. They've got dollars that uh, don't seem to be moving very quickly. Uh, towards this problem, and and you know I wish it would, and I know our MP Scott Aitchison is you know holding the government to account every day, uh, saying you know we need those dollars to flow. All right, well, and with that uh, we've run out of time. Thank you very much for coming in. That has been MPP Graydon Smith, the MPP for Pearson Muskoka, and you know the Minister of- and all the other stuff. Yeah, all that other stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks.